Conversations around meals can go a lot of different directions. An awkward meal with a new boss, lunch with friends that turns crass quickly and you're forced to make a split-second decision on how to react, a dinner with your spouse that turns into an argument about money, a, a soda with a mentor who's shining a bright light on something that you need to trust God with. God may be working in these situations, but they are tough in the moment. The Sanhedrin, made up collectively of the Pharisees, Sadducees, lawyers, teachers, and religious leaders, have concluded they want to get rid of Jesus, and now they're moving to examine him closely as if to find something with which they can condemn him? Does this perfect man have skeletons in his closet? We're going to find out as Jesus goes to dinner. Welcome to Anakinosis, where we renew our minds towards biblical worldview and the scriptures. This is a show for anyone looking to build or repair the biblical worldview. Whether you're 100% comfortable in the current Christian culture, or you feel like an outsider looking in, everyone is welcome. My name is Jeremy Agin. I'm just a guy with a Bible literacy background who has ASD and who thinks a lot about how to think. Today, Jesus will have a tough conversation over a meal. He's in Judea, either in Bethany or Jerusalem or somewhere in between, and it's winter. We go back to Luke in chapter 11, verses 37 to 41. While Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him, so he went in and reclined at the table. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash before dinner. And the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you're full of greed and wickedness. You fools! Did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give as alms those things that are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. So Jesus doesn't wash his hands, and drama ensues. Jesus is calling a bluff a bluff, but he's doing it with grace. He's going to have three woes for the Pharisees and three woes for the teachers of the law. But here he begins the teaching. What good are clean hands on wicked people? This is both hypocrisy and legalism, two great sins of religious people. Growing up, it was much easier to call hypocrisy sin than legalism. We think legalists are just uptight and overzealous, but maybe not as bad as other types of sinners. Legalists manipulate others into thinking that they are failures, while they are the hypocrites failing. You notice Jesus doesn't ever sit with the bad guys, the outcasts, and say to them, guys, stop it, this is harmful to you and others. Why? Because they probably know. Jesus spends much time with hypocrites and legalists saying, guys, stop it. This is harmful to you and others. Why? Because they think they are being holy. They think their darkness is light. They think that they're tricking us, that they're tricking God. If we want to be Christians who speak the truth in love, our targets shouldn't be those whom we are against. It can't be the gay community and the abortionists all the time. It should be the legalists and the hypocrites in our own churches. But that's uncomfortable. And unlike Jesus, 
Again, unlike Jesus, we have to check our eyes for both darkness and planks before we call anyone out. Jesus senses their surprise that he doesn't wash before he eats. Jesus wasn't worried about appearing clean on the outside. Religion apart from Jesus is always trying to fix the outer man to look good to other men as partly recruitment, but it cannot touch the inside. The heart of a human can only be changed by God. The meaning of verse 41 is debated. But give as alms those things that are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. Why is it debated? Well, in Matthew's parallel account, Jesus says it a little bit differently. In Matthew's account, Jesus refers to a common debate in first century Judaism. Should you clean the inside or the outside of the cup first? And Jesus overlays that debate onto their spiritual lives and says it's silly to clean the outside first. He says that in people cleaning the inside will clean the outside. In Luke's account, he isn't riffing off the whole cup thing as hard when he says, give alms to the things that are within and behold, everything is clean for you. It's likely Jesus said this both ways as it has the same meaning. Treat the inside of your life with gifts to God, living sacrifice, and everything that comes out will be clean. Now, a woe comes next, and woes mean a lot of things coming from prophets. A woe could be a lament, or a woe could mean a pronouncement of condemnation. We have to let the context dictate. Verse 42 to 44. But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seat in the synagogues and the greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves and people walk over them without knowing it. So what do we think? Condemnation or lament? I think this section could go either way, but the passage of the whole turns to condemnation, and so we should read these words in that light. So what is Jesus saying here? He uses hyperbole to describe an overzealous Pharisee. There was a debate in that era over whether you should tithe every little uh, speck of mint or spice. And so Jesus is describing a super Pharisee that gets it so right they tithe everything. They are tithers, like great tithers, like legalistically rigid and cool. That looks good. They love to have seats of honor that match their status and they love to be bowed before in the marketplaces. Cool. That looks good too. But they neglect the heart of God, which is justice and love. And that means they are not good. They are unclean. They are hypocrites. And they are like like a simile, unmarked graves. Now, that doesn't carry the weight for us that it did for them. Remember, the whole issue with the dead and the holiness that would likely influence a priest to avoid a man dying on the road? Religious Jews would try to avoid even their shadow touching a grave because a dead body lied there. All the tombs along the roads and on the hillside and in the valleys were marked so that pilgrims for the holy feast could stay pure. If they touched the dead or a grave, they would be unclean for seven days, according to the law of Moses. 
And Jesus is comparing these Pharisees to unmarked tombs, something that makes others impure. They are poison. They are rot. They are death. Their actions lead others into sin themselves. In an attempt to be holy on their own, the leaders demand perfection. So people are hiding their sin and judging others as imperfect. And Jesus knows that hidden sin goes unresolved and that many people are compiling hidden sins without recognizing them for what they truly are. It feels to them as though they are working harder to look better for God, but no holiness is occurring. Now, it's important to note that Jesus doesn't condemn the tithe here. Now, a tithe, 10% of your income, is from the old law. Jesus isn't dismissing it here. He is using it as an example of pointless legalism and hypocrisy while people around them are going without love or justice. Next is how we discover that there is condemnation tied to these woes. Verse 45. One of the lawyers answered him, Teacher, in saying these things, you insult us also. And he said, Woe to you lawyers also, for you load people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets whom your fathers killed. So you are witnesses, and you consent to the deeds of your fathers, for they killed them, and you built their tombs. Therefore, also the wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and persecute, so that the blood of all the prophets shed from the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation. From the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar and the sanctuary, yes, I tell you, it will be required of this generation. Woe to you, lawyers, for you've taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourselves, and you hindered those who were entering. As he went away from there, the scribes and Pharisees began to press him hard and to provoke him to speak about many things, lying in wait for him to catch him in something he might say. See, they feel dishonored, and they can regain their honor by calling out Jesus' dishonor. So they're waiting for him to say something that they can diss. That will restore their public image, but that's going to be a long wait. So a teacher of the law, a lawyer, wants to know if Jesus is aware that all of this tough love to the Pharisees was offending the teachers too. Uh, yeah, he knows, and the teachers are just as bad. They are making the impossible law of Moses even more impossible. And even worse, kind of silly and dumb teaching that it's different, that it's higher than it truly is, and then failing to even meet the bar that God established himself. Legalists. Hypocrites. And this isn't just them. This is us. One of the biggest failures of the modern Christian church is people who don't think they're legalists have standardized Christianity, a checklist of who makes or what makes a good Christian? Participate in purity culture, but also culture war. Voting Republican, canceling wokeness, abstaining from Halloween or Harry Potter, and on and on. None of those things is from God. But the teachers of Christianity have made it the standard. 
And the rest of us, who also think that we aren't legalists, but kind of are, hide our law-breaking and try to look like we're the standard. And what's left after years of this is fearful, shame-ridden, disenchanted lives who love Jesus but aren't sure that he loves them anymore and aren't sure if they love the church anymore. Youth leaders questioning students' apathy without looking at their own. Leaders scratching their heads why, wondering why people aren't motivated and ignoring their own issues as they offer mandates of bigger and better works to make us all feel better. And these works always end up making us feel worse because they're done with the wrong reasons. And Jesus is calling all of this out. And no wonder people deconstruct. Jesus encourages departure from human traditions and standards that weigh people down and get in the way of the heart of God. What is the actual Christian call? Love God and love others. Do we encourage achievement? In cooperation with Jesus, yes, we grow, but we shouldn't make up Christian standards and then label the opposite sin. And we shouldn't give anyone the label of an F Christian who needs to work harder, even if they're struggling with a real sin. In Jesus, we can trust his work in us, his pace in us, and his love. Okay, back to the combination of the teachers. Did you catch how serious this is? Jesus said that their generation would pay for all the blood of every generation from Abel to Zechariah. In the arrangement of the Hebrew scriptures, rather than the Christian arrangement of the Old Testament we have today, Abel was the first martyr and Zechariah is the last in 2 Chronicles 24, 22. It's a tale that goes like this. The king turned the people away from God, yet he sent prophets among them to bring them back to the Lord. These testified against him, but they would not pay attention. Then the Spirit of God clothed Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada, the priest, and he stood above the people and said to them, Thus says God, why do you break the commandments of the Lord so that you can not prosper? Because you have forsaken the Lord, he has forsaken you. But they conspired against him, and by command of the king they stoned him with stones in the court of the house of the Lord. Thus Joash the king did not remember the kindness that Jehoiada, Zechariah's father, had shown him but killed his son. And when he was dying, he said, May the Lord see and avenge. Who killed this priestly prophet? The king, the one who had turned away from God. And who killed Abel? His brother, the one who turned away from God. This is the A to Z of martyrs. And the religious leaders of Jesus' day were the descendants of both the martyrs and the killers. But in their actions, they're descendants of the killers. And do the penalty of their outrageous sin of killing the martyrs. There's a long running motif in the Bible that when people turn from God, they become Babylon. And when they become Babylon, they kill each other like animals until their kingdoms are overthrown. Babylon's always fall because God judges them harshly for their lack of love and justice. And Jesus is calling the religious leaders of Israel Babylon which is a declaration of judgment and upcoming doom. They will fall. Their generation would experience a physical military overthrowing of their city. And like so many times before, the enemy doing the damage isn't more holy than them, but is always God's instrument. 
they seal this fate by killing Jesus. They are condemned not only for the bloodshed, but for having the law from God that points to God, a law full of commands to love others and seek justice, and they remove those keys and build a false law instead. Jesus says, Woe to us who have the key, but do not offer it. The teachers of the law have a law that points to God, but they missed it and they kept it from others. The American church has a key problem as well. Jesus moves along, and so will we. As we continue to build our biblical worldview, we want to think about what in our minds needs renewed. Are we following made-up laws? Have we lost the key of loving God and loving others? How do we protect our minds to keep the key in focus? What do we need to deconstruct that is weighing us down and keeping us from the heart of God? And do we have it in us? to pray for the American church to change its ways. Thank you for listening. Anakinosis is a project for anyone anywhere who's looking to renew their biblical worldview. Next time, Jesus will warn more about the influence of the Pharisees.